The message you're about to listen to is produced by CRIC Media. It's the year of life. Amen. All right. We're going to be looking into the word of God today. And um, we are looking at why does God heal? Why does God heal? First of all, let's define healing. What is healing? Healing is a release of life or the power of God into a sick person to effect a cure. Healing is a release of life or the power of God into a sick person to effect a cure. In Romans 8 verse 11, the Bible says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit slows down the aging process. The Holy Spirit also quickens your body. In other words, the Holy Spirit heals you by his presence in you. The fact that the Holy Spirit is present in you means that healing is available in you, to you, and through you. I'm going to say it again. The fact that the Holy Spirit is in you means that healing is available to you, in you, and through you. Say the healing power of God is in me. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is a healing spirit. In Mark 5, verse 21 to 23, the Bible says, when, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and, and, and he was about to see. Next. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, generous by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Next. And begged the minister, saying, my, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Watch this. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Notice, come and lay your hands on her. Now, there are parts of our body that are distribution, distribution centers of the power and one of them is your hand. In Habakkuk 3 verse 4, the Bible tells us, it says, his brightness was like the light. It had rays flashing from his hand. Now, if you've read books on the healing anointing and um, maybe someone explaining even what they see in their vision is that sometimes when the healing anointing is strong, it's like fire. Flashing from the person's hand. And says, and there his power was hidden. Look at your hands. Say, these hands are power carriers. Look at both hands. These hands are power carriers. Yes, the power of God is in your hands. If God's power is hidden in his hand and God lives in you, all right? And you're in the image and likeness of God. So God's hands is where your hands are. Don't forget you're the body of Christ. And if you're the body of Christ, your hands are his hands. So whenever you show up, healing has shown forth. You see that? And that's why around you, nobody dies. Because life is in you. Say life is in me. All right. Let's read something else. In Mark 5 verse 30, 
when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, the Bible says, and Jesus knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Now, Jesus didn't pray for the woman. The woman touched his clothes. Now, that means Jesus is a carrier of power. Am I right? Okay, so let's put it this way. Jesus is a carrier of power. All right? Now, Jesus is the head of the body. All right? It's a carrier of power. We'll come back here. Go to Psalm 133. Beginning from verse 1. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Look at verse 2. It says, It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. Now, listen to this. When you pour oil and the anointing in the Old Testament, they soaked you in oil. The oil poured from your head down to your beard. And don't forget, Jesus had beard. Down to your beard. How many of you have ever seen Jesus? In your spirit, he has beard. All right? So, and down to his, his beard and down to the skirt of his robes. That means the same anointing on the head is the same anointing where? On the feet. Now, follow me closely. We said, Jesus is a carrier of power. And that's the head. Jesus is the head of the body. Okay, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The word Christ means the anointed one. The word Christ means the anointed one. Now, why do we call someone the anointed one? Talk to me now. Why do we call someone the anointed one? Because what? Somebody speak up one person. Because what? Because of the anointing on him. Okay? So, it, someone is called the anointed one because he's anointed. All right? Or because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Now, that anointing on Jesus was not just oil. It was the fullness of the Spirit. It was the fullness of the Spirit. All right? So Jesus is anointed with the fullness of the Spirit. Now, whatever anointing touches the head also touches what? The body. So if the fullness of the Spirit is in the head, it is also where? In the body because they are one. The blood type, if they, let's say a man gets injured in his head, the blood that will flow out will be what color? Red. 
leg, hand, back, feet. Now, which means the same anointing on the head is on every part of the body. Are you following me? Say to say the anointing on Jesus is on me. Now, I know some of you can say that you're scared. How can I say the anointing on Jesus is on me? Ha, I beg go, apostle. All right, let's pause it. Go to Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. All things are underwear. Talk to me now. All things are underwear. Talk to me now. All things are underwear. Okay. Look at verse 21. Let's find the things. Go to 21. Let's show them the things that are under his feet. Principality. Power. Might. Dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Do you see why we, we foretaste the power of the world to come? Because everything to come is far above them. Alright, verse 22. And he has put all things under his feet and given to be the head of all things to the church. Verse 23. Which is his body. So whatever is under him is under us because we are his body. Hello? And the feet is the last place in the body. So even if you claim that you are the feet in the body of Christ, you can still defeat Satan. Because the Bible says the God of peace shall soon cross Satan where? Under your feet. Romans 16 verse 20. So God uses the feet to cross Satan. Are you all there? So that means one way God demonstrates the victory of Jesus is through you and I. Because his victory is our victory and your victory is his victory. Are we together? Alright, go to verse 23, Ephesians 1, 23 again. Which is his body? The fullness of him who fills all. Now, the fullness of Christ fills all of us and it's in all of us. Now, that means the Holy Ghost dwells in all of us. He also dwells in one of us. Did you get that? 1 Corinthians 3.16, Amplified Version. It says, do, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church, are current at God's temple, a sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling? Say permanent dwelling. Say it's a permanent dwelling. It says, God's spirit has a permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also how? Individually. The human person has the capacity to contain God. He lives in you. So when you show up anywhere, God has shown up. Whatever will happen where God is will happen where you are because God is in you. Are you following me? Colossians 1.19 It says, For it pleased the Father that in him 
all the fullness should dwell. Pleroma. So everything God contains is in Christ. Say everything God contains is in Christ. Now this Christ is in you. So everything God contains is where? Talk to me now. It's where? You can imagine how much power is in you right now to raise the dead. Now you know why Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do because I go to the Father. Because the fullness in him is the fullness in you. Are you following me? Colossians 1. Let's begin from verse 24. It says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. See, I am the body of Christ. The same life in Christ is also in me. I am the body of Christ. The same life in Christ is also in me. Now let's examine that statement. When Jesus was on earth, was he healthy? Why was he healthy? Because of the nature of God, the life of God, and the spirit of God in that body. Don't forget Jesus got his body from Mary. See, God was manifested in the flesh. That life of God in him kept him healthy, kept him strong. And as he is, so are you in this world. The same quality of life in him is also in you. A nurse prayed and they read the scripture to the lady. Jeremiah 30 verse 17. I restore health unto thee and I'll heal thee of thy wounds. Any doctors couldn't find the wound. Because God will not break his word. If you believe his word, he will come true for you. A nurse bread. A pastor read the scripture in 24 hours. A surgery was cast a higher. A surgery was performed that defined medical explanation. They had to go do a scan. If you believe what you're hearing today, that the same power, the same life, that is in Jesus Christ is in you today, in 24 hours, your own life will change. Are you following me? All right. Let's move on. Let's go to verse 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Notice to fulfill the word of God. That's why I said a word was read. God will fulfill his word. Because the day he doesn't fulfill his word, he ceases to be God. That's why when you doubt his word, it hurts him. Because that's his integrity. 
calling God a liar. And Satan is the father of liars. You told God that Satan is greater than him when you doubted his word. That's what you told him. So you're a liar. You see why doubt hurts God. Because when he speaks, he will boast who has commanded and shall stand. Who declares it on Hey, and I say, uh, mm, is a lie. It touches him. It touches him. That what he created, Satan, is greater than him. A nurse prayed. A pastor read the scripture. Wound disappeared. 24 hours. Because he cannot deny himself. If you want to put God in the corner, just read his word to him. When you read it to him, read it to him and say, okay, I cannot deny myself. Hallelujah. He loves his word. He's jealous of his word to the point he calls himself the word. Are you following me? So, when God tells you that his life is in you. His nature is in you. His power is in you. Believe him. If he says no weapon from the gates of your prosper, believe him. And because of that, he will magnify himself on your behalf. Let me give you an instance. Let's say you're in trouble. And your uncle is the heavyweight champion of the world. He boxes anybody and they fall down, they faint. Then a boy comes to you, slim guy, says, I will beat you. And your uncle said, if anybody comes near you and threatens you, just call me, I'll deal with the person. Then the guy says, I will beat you. I will beat you here and nobody can stand. They just say, it's true. I know you can beat my uncle. I know you are more powerful than my uncle. My uncle is weaker than that. It's not because your uncle cannot beat the boy, but your uncle cannot defend you because you dishonored him. It's not that God cannot meet that need. It's not that God cannot heal that sickness. But is this sickness greater than God? Verse 26. The mystery have been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Next. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, when you read this Christ in you, the hope of glory is the hope of a glorious life. And that's beautiful. Until you read 
John 2 verse 11 in the old King James. Excuse me. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan Galilee and manifested forth his glory. So, the miracle was a manifestation of the glory. It says Christ in you is the hope of glory. Which means now that Christ is in you, you are beyond human limitation. Now you've entered into the realm of the miraculous. Now you can enjoy the riches in glory. You see that? You can enjoy the riches in glory. You are not an ordinary fellow limited to accounts, limited to economies. No, the riches in glory. Christ in you, the fullness in you, the expectation of glory. Is your life glorious? People should look at your life and say, oh boy, you know, be human being. Glory. You mean you got the money? How? It's God. How? How, how, how did that kind of money enter your account? So I don't know. No name. Look at it now. No name. Jesus. There's a God in heaven. Hope of glory. I just got a letter of appointment. What? Yeah, look at it now that I have a job. Did you apply? No. How come? What kind of thing is this? Glory. When Christ comes into you, you cease to be ordinary. Because all that God is and all that God has is made available to you. See, if we really understood Christianity, we will be living in an, on another plane. When the unbeliever says there's hardship, you should look at him and say, I know a God who turns water to wine. Glory. When the unbeliever says there are five loaves and two fish, you say, I know a God who multiplies bread and fish. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Then look at Paul, verse 28. It says, whom we preach. Him we preach, warning every man and changing every man in all wisdom. It says that we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. In other words, when we come to Christ, we are complete. Whatever was missing in us, Christ puts it into us. Because the fullness is in Christ. But look at 29, is where I'm going to. It says, to this, to this end, I also labor. To this end I also labor. Striving, watch this, according to his working, which works in me. Mighty, he says, I'm cooperating with the power of God in me. It's time to come to among God. It's time to cast in cars. May God awaken you to what is inside of you. 
See, that's why you see Christians who are living like unbelievers, living and struggling and sin, living, stealing, lying, doing all those stuff because they don't know what is in them. So, but apostles, my weakness, that's why Christ came. Because when you were an unbeliever, it was a weakness. You become a Christian, it's your still a weakness. You've not yet recognized grace. Let me show you something. Second Corinthians 12 verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect where? In weakness. So if you claim to be under grace, this grace should eradicate your weakness. Okay, I'm supposed to be shy. Am I not talking to you? So, is this working? To this end, we also 